Hello, hello, hello! Thank you for joining me for another Sunday Afternoons with Reverend Lucretia. I'm so glad you're here. And so the name of today's talk is Simple Living with God as Teacher. And the song is Rolling River God by Nicole Norderman. And if you would like to listen to the song before you hear the talk, just go ahead and click on the link. It will be down in the description. So we're going to be talking about the fact that nature is the great healer. We're going to be talking about simplifying our lives, getting away from all of our electronics and technology and clearing our minds. We will go over an article that is called Prescribing nature for health as well as talking about the Tao Te Ching and an article called Be Humble the Philosophy of Water. We will be talking about Shinrin Yoku which is this incredible Japanese philosophy that has been going on for thousands of years and it is the practice of forest bathing. So we'll be talking about that. We're going to be talking about scripture and new thought. We will be talking about Henry David Thoreau and his book Walden. We will be talking about the fact that nature, being in nature changes us. It changes us physically, emotionally, spiritually, and chemically. We will be talking about all of those. We're going to be talking about balancing ourselves. We know that we have to be of the world and we have to be in technology sometimes, but how important it is to get away, to step away from technology and and to go to nature to be with God. And we'll be talking about the fact that God manifests himself physically on this planet by nature. So before we go any further, let's just go ahead and listen to the lyrics of this song. Again, it's called Rowing River God and it is by Nicole Norderman. Rolling river God, little stones are smooth only once the water passes through. So I am a stone, rough and grainy still, trying to reconcile this river's chill but when I close my eyes and feel you rushing by, I know that time brings change, and change takes time. And when the sunset comes, my prayer would be just this one, that you might pick me up and notice that I am just a little smoother in your hand. I love that song. So we're going to start out with an article called Prescribing Nature for Health. It is written by Dr. Nushim Razani. And so she is a pediatrician. She believes nature has the power to heal, that it is where we are from, it is where we belong, and it is essential part of our health. So her children grew up in a urban center and she realized how extremely restrictive it was for children. There were defined lines everywhere. There were signs that say, don't run, don't climb, don't jump, and no horseplay. And she started seeing how much she was restricting her own children as they were growing up in this urban environment. And she said, I felt like I was killing every stink instinct they had on how to be. So she came to a breaking point. She was an Iranian-American, and as she was raising her children, she started to really miss her family, her mom and her grandmom and her cousins and her aunts and all of the women that were such strong influences in her life. She started to really miss them and to feel disconnected and very sad. And so she wanted to change this, and she was looking at her children and how they weren't being able to play the way she wanted them to be able to. And so she decided to change that, and she started taking the kids to places where they wouldn't be judged, to a yard and open field somewhere and just let them play and they ran and jumped and climbed and yelled and when they complained about being outside and not being able to be on the iPad she said she just stayed quiet after a while she kept taking them there and she started to notice that her oldest son connected with lizards and crawling animals and newts and salamanders and frogs and she said even the fact that I can say the names of those animals shows you how important they were to him 
Her middle child, she says, speaks to trees and that whenever you're looking for her, you can find her at the top of a tree. Her little guy plays in the dirt a lot. He hasn't really found his way, but he dances a lot. And she says he's not sure what he's listening to, but she thinks that it's the ocean that she, he is dancing to. And what she realized is that her kids were not lonely, they were not stressed, they were connected. They speak nature's language and that all children speak nature's language. So remember, she's a pediatrician. So researchers have studied the lives of children and until about 20 years ago, most children walked long distances every day. You can talk to your, your parents and your grandparents about how they had to walk to school and that along the way they would find little personal spaces to themselves to recuperate and get away from the adults and they will build forts and fort building has happened for centuries throughout all country cultures it, it happens until about the age of 12 and it is the way for children to get themselves centered and prepare themselves emotionally and physically for adolescence so they play cooperatively and creatively when they're out in nature because nature has no instructions and no rules. And it's not necessary that they go to a big place, just a place that's open enough for them to be able to run around and feel like they can take their shoes off and be in nature. The spaces the children like to go to are the ones that are not dominated through landscaping, grooming, and signals from adults. They learn how to socialize. They coexist not just with humans, but with other life forms such as animals. So the average American spends 7% of their life outdoors. If you add in the time that they're in cars, that goes to 12%, but that's still pretty small. And so children are spending 50% of the time outside now compared to 20 years ago, how much time they used to spend outside. So the forest is a place of healing. What you find is that within minutes, the heart rate decreases, the breath slows, sweating less, the cortisol stress hormones decreases, and there is a feeling of awe. And the feeling of awe can be described as a combination of fear and happiness and pleasure all at once. It focuses us from the inside to the external. Anxiety and depression go down and people are able to feel more empathy for each other. After hours outside, the mind is restored, but this can be measured after only 15 minutes. The larger attention span comes, they are able to solve more complicated cognitive tests and puzzles. And after three days, and she says, yes, researchers went out into the woods with these people for three days and hooked them up to EEG. She said that the prefrontal cortex, the part of you that's in charge, that part of the brain relaxes and it is reset. And then you are able to be at your most creative and productive. So again, empathy increases, creativity, the ability to self-soothe and the ability to communicate with others all get better just from being out in nature. So at her clinic, she worked at, with a population that was very poor, mostly homeless people. And she wondered about whether it was appropriate to talk to these people that didn't have enough food to eat and that didn't have a place to sleep to talk to them about the need to go out to a park. But they did a lot of research and they decided that actually, yes, these were the people that needed it the most. And so they started to work with the local park districts on how to find ways to get the children of these homeless populations out into the nature. And the first thing they did was they brought the nature into the clinic. So they put up these huge big banners from the ceiling to the floor with pictures of trees on them so that when you'd walk in, you would actually feel like you were looking at these trees. Every single clinic room had a picture of a place in nature and a map on how to get there. So the doctors started talking about the stress and social isolation because now they had a solution because they set it up that one time a month they hired a huge 
big bus and they took people out in nature. So a doctor would go, a forest ranger would go, um, and the patients were invited to bring anybody they wanted, any family members, extended family, all of their friends, and they would be able to go out. They would have a picnic and they would create community. So it's now been two years that they've been doing this. They've been able to do the first randomized study on nature and its effects on social isolation. Uh, and they've been able to take over 500 people to the parks. So they are coming together to reclaim their childhood and their health, understand that nature is here. We already belong to it. She says, go outside, look for something that's alive and just shut up. Just be quiet and watch it. Listen to how all of the animals interact with each other. Listen to all of the sounds of nature. Reclaim your health. Join together to enjoy this beautiful world that already exists. I thought that was just wonderful. So we're going to move on to another article about the philosophy of water. It's called Be Humble and Other Lessons from the Philosophy of Water. It's written by Roman, Raymond Tang. So again, he was a busy professional who lived in an urban environment. And he was trying to find answers to feeling stressed out. He says he was very productive. He worked hard, but something was still missing. And so he read tons of self-help books. He said that actually made it worse and not better. He was anxious and stressed and he felt trapped in a world that was moving too quickly. And he wanted to know how to find fulfillment in a world that was changing as fast as we could think. So he found the Tao Te Ching and specifically passage number eight. And he said he started working with that and his anxiety and stress disappeared and he was able to apply these concepts to every single day of his life. So here we have the Tao Te Ching section number eight. The supreme goodness is like water. It benefits all things without contention. In dwelling, it stays grounded. In being, it flows to depths. In expression, it is honest. In confrontation, it stays gentle. In governance, it does not control. In action, it aligns to timing. It is constant with its nature and therefore cannot be faulted. So the Tao Te Ching, as you know, was written over 2000 years ago, but he says that he found three lessons that he was able to use even still now. So the first lesson is about humility. So water stays low, it flows in a river, it helps other plants grow, it keeps animals alive, it doesn't draw attention to itself, it doesn't need reward or recognition, it is humble. Without water, life as we know it won't exist. Instead of acting like I know what I'm doing and I have all the answers, it's okay to say, I don't know, I want to learn more, and I need your help. These are lessons he learned from water. He taught me instead of promoting my glory and success, it's more satisfying to promote the success of others and to help others overcome challenges so that they can succeed. He said he became more humble and he had richer connections with those around him and he was generally interested in the lives of others. All streams eventually flow to the ocean because it is lower than them. Humility gives water power. It gives us the capacity to remain grounded and be present and learn from the people around us. The second major thing that he learned from water was harmony. Water is always flowing towards rocks, but it flows around them. It doesn't get upset, angry, or agitated. When faced with an obstacle, water finds a solution without force or conflict. He realized that he gets anxious and consumed by the need to succeed and prove himself and to force solutions. If you shifted from trying to achieve more success to trying to achieve more harmony, he says, you would be more calm and focused. Ask yourself questions like, does this action bring harmony in my environment? 
Does this align with my nature? He became more comfortable being who he was rather than who he was supposed to be or who he was expected to be. He stopped focusing on the things that he couldn't control. Nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. I found more happiness when I shift from finding, from finding more success to finding more ha ha harmony. So the third thing that he learned from water is about openness, being open to change. So water comes in three different forms. As you know, it comes as a liquid, a solid, and a gas. It has the ability to adapt, to be more flexible, more enduring through the ages, despite all of the changes in the environment. We live in a state of constant change. We are constantly reinventing ourselves. We need to constantly refresh our skills to stay relevant. Always be open to learn and to unlearn that which is not working for you anymore and to help each other. Humility, harmony, and openness changed my life. The book was written centuries ago before all of the speed and technology and confusion, and it teaches us profound lessons for all time. So I found something new and I studied about it quite a bit on several different documentaries that I watched. It's called Shinrin-yoku and that translates from Japanese to forest bathing. And so again, this person was stressed out and addicted to electronics or too busy to catch up with himself. So he'd go to the forested areas and he had a sense of wonder and awe. Remember we talked about that. Even if you go to a park, you smell the aromas, you listen to the water and the streams. So Japanese have been living with water as a part of nature for as long as they've been around. The forest bathing is the full experience of the forest, engaging all of the senses, the sights, sounds, aromas, sensations, and let them wash over you. There are immediate and dramatic results. Again, they did researchers study this. Even after 15 minutes, the blood pressure drops, the lowered heart rates, stress levels are reduced, the concentration and mental clarity improve. There are specialized cells the body produces to prevent and combat cancer and those cells become even more active when you're in the forest for 15 minutes. Taking time to sit still and settles down the mind from a state of busyness to a state of quiet and restful seclusion. So leave your cell phones behind, your camera, your technology, leave your goals behind, allow yourself to wander, go wherever your instincts take you. So when you sit still, be quiet and still, and he says, just watch how the animals behave. So Dr. Yoshifumo Miyazaki is an expert on this, and he wrote several books. And what he came to the conclusion is that 99% of our existence, humans' existence on the planet, was that they lived in nature. Only 0.1% of our evolution of our time on this planet have we lived in urban environments with technology. They've done a lot, a lot of research. And so they have a place in Japan that they've been going to for over a thousand years. It's a trail that you can walk on there. There are several different trails all leading to the same ending spot. It's called the Kumano Sanzan, and for a thousand of years, emperors and leaders have all been taking that. There are shrines all along the way, and they say that if you complete the trail, you will have the gift of divine happiness, good health, and prosperity. So I watched several documentaries, but the one that I... Uh, fascinated me the most was two young kids. I would say they were in their late 20s, maybe early 30s. And the part of the trail that they did was called the Kumana Kodo. And it was an appreciation of nature, um, following in the steps of the Japanese who have always believed that nature was important. So the first original uh, religion of Japan was Shinto. And that believes that deities embody the rocks, the trees, the wind, and the sun. 
So there are Shinto shrines all along the trail. They are surrounded by nature and they give a sense of calm and relaxation. The shrines are over a thousand years old. Next to the temple, there are Buddhist shrines, letting you know that they can live together. They're not at odds with each other and it's all harmonious. So forest bathing in its purest form is just going into the forest and sitting still and listening and taking in all of the sights and sounds of nature. But now they've also included it with lots of walking paths that you do. And they said that as they were going on this trail, so they did the trail that took four days. And as they went along the trail, they were able to stay at people's houses that offered their homes up to all of these travelers that did this trail over and over and over again. So they walked for like 10 hours a day and then they would get some sleep and they realized how much their bodies were changing. They were being more present, they were sleeping better and their memories were being better functioning. And so the little shrines that were leading up to the grand shrine at the end that, that has a big waterfall next to it, they are symbolic where you go and you give gratitude and you practice your spiritual beliefs. And there are ceremonies that go along with each shrine. You ring a bell and you bow and you clap and you bow. And all of these ceremonies are a way of connecting you spiritually with nature and with whatever your belief system is in terms of God. So it was reminded of Joseph Campbell's quote that says, people don't want to know the meaning of life. They want to know what it feels like to be alive. So when you go out in nature, all of your senses will open, your body will relax. You will be able to sense the presence of God more. And I absolutely believe that God makes himself manifest on this earth in nature. No matter where you go outside, you'll be able to feel God's presence. So let's just talk about scripture for a little bit. There are many, many, nature reflections in the Bible. The first I picked is Psalm 145.5. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and I will meditate on your wonderful works. Genesis 1.29. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Job 12, 7, but ask the beasts and they will teach you, the birds of the heavens and they will tell you, or the bushes of the earth and they will teach you, and the fish of the sea will declare to you, who among all of these does not know that the Lord, the hand of the Lord has done this. Psalm 96, 11, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice, the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the fields of the forest sing for joy. Song of Solomon 2.12 says, The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. I just love that. So metaphysically, the definition of nature is the intellect's name for God. The restorative power of nature is the name given by doctors to the spirit of health, which is always right at hand, awaiting an opportunity to enter into us to make us whole. So we're gonna go ahead and talk about Henry David Thoreau and his belief systems. So he was born in 1817. He went to the Concord Academy and then he went to Harvard. He did not follow in the path of most people to become either a doctor, a lawyer, or a priest. Uh, he decided to move away and do his own thing. He is considered the father of conservation. It was where he lived, was considered the birthplace of modern environmentalist movement, but this was way before there was any environmentalist movement. So he believed that all private property, the land was bought just for the personal use and the trees should be cut down just when you actually needed them. He said, I believe every town should have a park or rather a primitive forest where a stick should never be cut for fuel, for navy or to make wagons, 
but stand and be kept for higher uses, a common possession forever for instruction and recreation. If you have nature all around you, what more do you need? So it reminds him of the importance and the simplicity and the authenticity of being out in the world and letting everything else go away. So he was part of the Transcendentalist Movement, which is a philosophy that emphasizes the importance of the spiritual over the material. So he wrote the book Walton in 1854. It was a text about self-discovery. He said that he went there to live. It was not just a retreat, but he settled there to live deep and suck out the marrow of life. We actually need very few things. Think about our belongings in terms of how little we actually need. So look to nature. It is full of spiritual significance. The animals, the forests, and the waterfalls inherently valuable to teach us the beauty and the role of all of the ecosystems. It's best understood ourselves as part of nature. We should see ourselves as nature looking into nature rather than us trying to master nature. Nature teaches us to be humble and more aware by fostering introspection and self-discovery. This mental state is not about money or technology that provides real progress. Only the day dawns to which we are awake. There is more day to dawn. The sun is but a morning star. So he talks about all of the different parts of nature, all of the sun and the moon and the stars, and actually Walden Pond quite a bit. He was there for two years, two months, and two days. He views nature as a way to learn about life and understand the higher truths. So in 1845, he built his cabin there. It was a plot of land that was owned by Emerson. He was allowed to use it because he was improving the land by building on it. And he lived by the crops that he planted. He had a two and a half acre garden where he planted uh, the food that he would eat. And he said, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach. So he worked one day a week and six days a week. He rested and studied. He was resolved to rely on money as little as possible. So the two and a half acres that he lived on, he planted beans and vegetables, and that's what he lived off of. So he said, it's really important to be guided by your own moral compass and not the laws of the state. So solitude is where you get all of your wisdom. The sights and the sounds of the woods were his only form of entertainment. Self-improvement is a major theme of the book. He bettered himself in wisdom, so he read for hours and hours and hours. Apart from just writing, he also read. And he said he meditatively elevated himself. He meditatively elevated himself inward and allowed him to understand the life and his place in the universe. Cultivate your mind more. He read philosophy, Eastern and Western. He said, balance that out with communing with nature. There are many quotes from literature and the, he states that the serious learnings comes from studying nature and not just literature. So he talked about minimalism, to cast away materialism, you simplify your life with the bare necessities showing us that less is more. So he rejects the social norms that go along with materialism. And nature is the eternal guide and the teacher, he says. You locate the divine in nature than, rather than in Christian deities. Nature is the eternal guide and teacher for human beings if they only open their eyes and learn. There is a meditative study that happens when you are out there. You study your surroundings. The greatest positive there is, the birds, animals, plants, and even Walden Pond itself serve as role models. 
So just as an aside, there has been research that says if you can't be out in nature a lot, if you can bring nature in, we talked about in the prior article, if you can have lots and lots of plants in your house and lots of flowers in your house, that will help you temporarily. The main thing you need to do is get out in nature, but if you're in a place where you can't do that right now, get lots and lots of plants to bring in. So I've always known that nature was the great healer. I built a house with my husband up on the Poconos Mountains. We carved out a plot of land in the middle of a forest, and I was under a lot of stress. I was commuting back and forth to New York City, about a three-hour commute each way, and I was working very, very long days. But what would happen is when I got home, I could just walk out on my deck and then walk out past my deck, and I was 100% surrounded by forest. And I was able to notice what everybody is saying, that once you get out there within minutes, you can slow down, you can feel like you're actually talking and listening to God, you can feel like you are connected in a way that you've never been connected before, every single time you step outside and you absorb all of the energy of nature. So it's always a balance between having our day-to-day -day lives and going out there and letting go of all of the stress and letting go of all of the tension and letting go of all of your plans. So the other day I actually sat with a tree for an hour. I literally just went to a tree out in a park and I sat there. I sat in Hyper for an hour. And when I came back, I was amazed at the clarity that I had. You know, I do TikToks four or five times a week so that I can send prayers out to people that need them. And I had this sense of clarity when I came back from being under this tree. And I put up this TikTok about the fact that we are never, ever, ever, ever alone. And the fact that when you go outside, God makes himself so present to you. There's not a single moment of time that God is not with us. And all you have to do is open your eyes and ears, go outside, sit down, look around you, smell the smells, hear the sounds, look at all of the creatures that are moving around. Nature is absolutely God manifested on this planet and so I encourage you from the bottom of my heart if you ever want to feel like you're connected if you ever feel like you're alone just go outside in nature nature is in fact the great healer so I tell you straight from my heart the one thing I know and that I would always always stake my life on it is that God is there and God makes himself physically present in nature go outside and absorb it Thank you so much. Remember, at all times, the power is in you. It always has been, and it always will be. I send you many blessings.